<laughs> I don't need to hold it like this. I was a bit peaky last week. I was, mine was a bit distorted. Yours was perfect. So I've put my microphone upside down this time. Hopefully that will help. Oh, okay. Anyway, should we do that bit where we say how we're doing? And I say, how are you, Tanya? I'm really good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, fine. It's lovely, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm loving these little walks we do, walk and talks. I know. We're dead lucky, aren't we? Um, I'm enjoying all the autumnal colours. Gorgeous time of year, very mild, like, I don't know if it's a bit above average or nothing to worry about, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure there's no uh, emerging climate crisis that we all need to wet our pants about. Um, I know it is beautiful, beautiful weather and um, because we've got a dog now, um, yeah. I get to wake up early and um, see the sunrise and over the past you, week or so... Do you appreciate so, that now, do you? Like, have you always been an early riser? Yeah, about? yeah, oh, I, li right, I like getting up early, yeah. Oof. Um, most productive part of the day. Wow. Um, which is opposite for you, isn't it? Well, yeah, only because I've never really put the effort in and tried to get up early. But I've been through the whole kid thing, you know, when you're forced to get up early because you've got kids that want to go down and the other one needs to lie in. Yeah. And I just, my body didn't didn't like it. So, yeah, no, I'm a, I like working in the evening more, I would say. Yeah. I... Um, read this book by a guy called Hal Elrod, who's very American. Yeah, his name sure is. Uh, and he uh, basically wrote a book called The Miracle Morning, which is how to make the best of your uh, time in the morning. Yeah, okay. It's really good. Okay, we're not talking about Hal Elrod today. He sounds like someone out of Lord of the Rings or something, doesn't he? Um... Not when you listen to him speak. <laughs> he is the most American man in the world. Cool, man. I love a bit of that. Um, we're talking about the independence of our children because I saw an article which I'll put in the links on the uh, SoundCloud page about how small the radius is that children have now, how far they um, they move from their house in terms of, you know, when they go to play out with their mates. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly, but that's how much research I did. But, you know, 50, 60 years ago, the average seven, eight-year-old could travel, was allowed to travel like seven, eight miles from their home independently, out with their mates, you know, walking to school, whatever it might have been. Yeah. Fetching a bucket of water from the well or whatever people did back then. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and gradually over time that has diminished and decreased and now the radius is pretty tiny and like depressingly so and it, you know, it kind of plays into my stuff about road safety and, you know, band cars and all that stuff. Yeah. But. I've been reading up on it, uh, and it's it's more compl complex than that. I thought we should have a chat about it because I think it's quite an important subject. Like, our kids need more independence. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, have you are you aware of the term helicopter parenting? Yes. Um, that does my head in, um, and it's so it's so easy to feel like you have to be a helicopter parent. Yeah. in these in these days because of things like um traffic perceived danger um the need for everyone to be um kind of um excuse the squelching while we get through this yeah mode, sorry the um the need for everyone to be um achieving at their highest possible level yeah and it's really um it's really unusual for children to be left to kind of fend for themselves, fail, yep. sort out um, sort out rows with friends 
and and basically just have the same opportunity for growth as we had really yeah um it's mad isn't it and you know i come from this from i've got kids similar age to yours minus six and eight minus seven and nine so you know i'm, I'm trying hard now william my eldest to, to kind of give him more independence and let him go about little tasks on his own and our little route to school and our bikes um i'll let him go ahead of us now to kind of just partly to save time because he takes a bit of time locking his bike up when he gets there so i just say off you go will i'll see you there and he does the last couple hundred meters on his own which includes crossing the road with a lollipop man or lady whoever's on duty that day so it's oh, mega, okay. mega mega safe if that lollipop person wasn't there then i probably wouldn't to be honest um but yeah, at the same time, you know, yeah, I've been through that whole madness of having kids of, of an age where you're just running around all the time, getting them in and out of car seats, strapping, you just spend like five years of your life strapping kids into cars. <laughs> it yeah. feels like it. Um, and yeah, I mean, part of that led me on this journey of discovery about how cars are killing us in many, many ways. So what kind of independence um do you want for your children at this age that you feel that you cannot have um i'd like i like my kids both of them actually including jacob who's six and he's a tiny little six-year-old actually he looks about four bless him i'd like both of them to be able to go to the local shop on their own to get a pint of milk or you know whatever we need for at that particular moment um i know and how William, close is that to you it's happening no how close is the shop to you um about four or five hundred meters Oh, okay. Yeah, a couple of roads, a couple of minor little residential streets to cross over. You know, they'll be well out of view and all that. But even for me, you know, and I, you know, I'm trying to get to a world where that is possible in the UK. That feels like a, I don't know, quite a daunting prospect, you know? Not just because of the road stuff, but I don't know, stranger danger stuff, isn't it? Even though we know that the, the world is safer than it's ever been. Um, and maybe it's selfishly just like a, a lack of willing to let go of his his childhood yeah know, as well yeah i absolutely understand that um so i yeah i would agree with that although mine would mainly be for the purposes of a vanilla slice so um i when we go to our local shops yeah. um we would and i think this is part of my reticence we would walk through this wood that we're walking through now this one right here yeah cool and then um we'd we'd eventually arrive at the shops and um, so i would walk with them yep um, and then i let them go into the shop on their own and, oh, cool. and uh, get what they want and pay oh nice one okay yeah um but maybe that's because <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm such a regular in gerard's that like <laughs> You know that is there's there's no real danger element there. Yeah. But they've recently started doing that at um, the local Sainsbury's. Um. So yeah, they they are they are sort of expanding their cool. repertoire. And do you kind of keep an eye on them through the window, like check what they're up to, just to, out of curiosity and? Uh no. Just let them do their thing. I'm normally outside with a dog. Do you think they're in there like in Home Alone where Kevin buys, goes to the supermarket on his own and he's got his coupons and all that stuff? Yes, because Bethan has told me that that's the way that she lives her life. She basically 
wants to be Kevin McAllister. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, so yeah, she she very much would be. She's basically begging for the person behind the counter to say, "Are you here alone?" And for her to then be able to recite his monologue about the fact <laughs> that that would be highly irresponsible. Yeah. But um, is it highly irresponsible? <laughs> no, because Kevin McAllister shows us that if you are a child left on your own, you manage and you cope and yeah. you save your parents from the bad guys. So mm. if you give kids a there chance... There's a lesson there, isn't there? Generally, they don't let you down. Generally. Well, yeah. Um, there are cultures and not too far from here, well, some far away that things are done very differently um, and I remember seeing it quite well done six months ago or so uh, in Switzerland kids at kindergarten age like four five year old are taught as soon as they start going to school or nursery to walk to school on their own you know and can you imagine a four-year-old walking to school on their own so they're given all the kits needed and, and police come in to give them advice on you know how to cross the road and all that stuff um, and not just that but the community are put on notice at a certain times of the day there will be kids on their own independently you know crossing the roads getting to school so watch out for them wow uh, that's think, amazing yeah uh, I've, I'll, I'll link to a blog post uh, which talks about it that i've found and in japan as well i think again that kind of sense of independence is nurtured from a really early age there's a i'll see if i can find it but there's a youtube channel or a tv show where cameras follow you know, with the, the parents' um, approval. They follow the kids, like three, four, five-year-olds, through the streets of, uh, of Japan as they go about their business. You know, the parents will set them a task to go to the shop to get something. And it's this TV show that just follows them on their journeys. And it's like, it's just amazing to watch these little kids. And it's funny as well, because they'll stop at the park on their way and something will happen. One will trip over and cut their knee and the, the big sister's got to give their little brother a cuddle and all that stuff to... And then they get to the butchers and they've got this shopping list and all that stuff. Just mad. It's just completely different culture, in it? But it seems quite healthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, when my sister and I were little, um, we spent all of our holidays, all of our holidays, on our grandfather's farm, um, which was very rural. Wow. And we were allowed, and not just allowed, we, we needed to because, you know, everyone else was busy we were required to kind of like go to the shop and, and do stuff. So yeah. like on occasion, we had to walk to the shop, which was maybe four miles away. And- um, Four miles? Yeah. Whoa, love it. And then, um, <laughs> and then go and pick up shopping, which my mum had phoned ahead to, to buy. That is cool, man. And. We didn't have to have any cash because, you know, we had an account with the shop. They, they knew that we would be coming and they knew who our grandfather was. So when they were handing over 20 fags to, <laughs> to, to yeah. kids that were like nine and ten, um, that, was, that was not frowned upon. That was cool. Um, well, yeah, when we were picking up a bottle of Bell's whiskey and 20 Benson and Hedges, <laughs> that, was, that was allowed. Um, but obviously, times have changed and that, that is not... That, that is not okay no now. No. But um, we've been talking about this recently in, in our family. And I reckon what would make me feel confident enough for my children to do it is, number one, uh, time the route with them. Yep. So I know how long 
you know, I'd expect it to take. Yep. Um, I would probably let the person in the shop know in advance um, to expect them. Cool. And then, yeah, know, ha have, an have an idea of the time. And so if, but this is relying on, this is an example of it takes a village to raise a, com uh, a, to raise a child. Because hmm. if my kids did not arrive, I would want the lovely lady in Gerard's to phone me and say, like, your kids haven't come. Right. And you can't, you can't and shouldn't necessarily rely on that happening because what if they're busy? What if she forgets? What if she's sick? Do you know what I mean? Um, but that, they are the parameters that I would initially set, I reckon. Okay. That's cool. Um, I was speaking to um, Tom Flood. I did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah. He's my Canadian doppelganger. Well, he doesn't look like me, but he's... Right, kind of well, road, he's, he's road. not a doppelganger then. Please no, use the term Sorry, correctly okay. or not at all. <laughs> he's the Canadian version of me in the sense that he's kind of campaigning for safer streets so that his kids can get around walking and cycling safer. Yeah. Um, largely focusing on the threat from vehicles and their drivers. Um, and he's, his eldest son, I think, is nine. And, yeah, he's just started letting his son walk to school with his mates. Right. Um, and he says, yeah... He, it was quite hard to let go. We didn't talk about this in the podcast, actually. I wish we had. Um, and he kind of sits at home. He's working at home at the moment, like everyone else. Um, really kind of nervously waiting for that, the doorbell, or the, the door to open, the key to go in the door and what have you. Yeah. But, you know, he knows over time that will diminish and, you know, that sense of independence will just become second nature to uh, his family. I just want to say, you you um, shared this, the, the article on your Facebook page, didn't you, with, with yeah. some friends, and you asked for their feedback about how far they were allowed to travel as kids, or what, what they got up to, what adventures. Yeah, um, and, and it was I... pretty cool, wasn't it? I actually shared it on my family's WhatsApp um, as well, Ooh. and lots of my um, dad's um, cousins were saying what they were allowed to do when they were younger, and yeah, essentially, as you said before, they would have been walking to school much, much further, walking to their mates' houses, being allowed to go out in the morning, come home in the evening. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that, and that has diminished significantly. But I think that I was afforded much more of that kind of lifestyle because we were in a very rural area and um, my mum and my family knew all the people in the surrounding areas. Yeah, I mean, there were stories on your Facebook post about people, you know, getting put on the train at the age of whatever and being, yeah. you know, obviously a train kind of only generally goes one way, you know, where it's going to stop and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there'll, there'll be someone at the other end of the line to collect them at the station. Yeah. So, Love those stories. Yeah, um, one of my friends went on a flight to Canada um, aged 11. So yeah, got on, got on a plane in <laughs> London and flew to Canada. When I was 11, I got on a bus in, um, in Southwest Wales and yeah, was on a bus on my own all the way to London and my auntie picked me up the other end. Um, I haven't got any stories like that from my, my youth. So I don't know, obviously I think I'm a fairly well-rounded individual. So I don't think- Do you? Mm, well, <laughs> I do. But I think that you, you know, my, my mum, um, my mum's options were limited, you know, she was a single parent, I was a challenging child, and she probably needed a bit of respite, so 
it might not have been something that she was overtly comfortable in doing but if your options are limited then you might be pushed out of your comfort zone more than other people might think yeah it's fascinating isn't it i mean there's the whole thing about life has just sped up as well hasn't it and cars have allowed that in some sense because driving's so easy now um you can do these kind of mad little trips where you combine loads of things over the course of a weekend so you'll nip out and you'll see your mum and dad then you'll stop at the shop on the way then you'll go see some friends and on the way back you'll go to the retail park to pick up that thing that what you need and it just life's the pace of life has accelerated hasn't it since we were kids so yeah i would agree with that so what do you think can um can help with with expanding a child's independence and um and making parents as as a as a cohort in general feel more confident about that because i think i would be happy to do lots of these things but an element of me is sort of nervous of being judged do you know what i mean i'd be i would be happy for my kids to maybe walk to the shops on their own walk to school on their own but partly I don't want them to because then they'll need me less and I love hanging out with them. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's an absolute element of selfishness. Yeah, totally. Um, but another element of it is I don't want people to think that I'm being a, um, uh, you know, not a good parent. Yeah. But I think that this is good parenting. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be some kind of community work, doesn't there? And- I mean, there are there are, inf- there are infrastructure things coming along like school streets and low traffic neighborhoods which um, we'll talk briefly about which kind of make roads safer residential streets so s- school streets projects are like timed road closures around primary schools yeah you know mainly based around yeah safety of kids and air quality problems um, from pollution that kind of thing uh, but they make these kind of really quiet healthy areas and just allow kids to get to call that school that little bit safer so if you haven't if your primary school hasn't yet gone down that avenue or even aware of school streets then i would strongly suggest everyone listening looks into it and sends a couple of emails and gets the conversation going yeah i i think that especially particularly when you're at primary school um it's the perfect time to do it because the um catchment area for most primary schools within the UK is small and it is walkable I I, I yeah. believe that it's walkable yeah, or cyclable yeah. or scootable um, it's not always easy it's not always convenient um, it takes a bit more time but I do think that inherently that is possible if we if we change the conversation yep. um, so that's the first thing um, but I also think that organizations such as um, brownies and guides and beavers they are brilliant at making kids braver and more adventurous and wanting to try different things yep definitely also kind of yeah yeah getting conversations going in with those organizations would be would be a good idea wouldn't it i think i think just in general um because obviously schools feel like they have a responsibility to um to kind of set a precedent and keep keep kids safe and and so on yeah um and i i don't know what the policy is within our school specifically because um my kids aren't at this age yet but i do not want my children to have to have a mobile device 
in order to be allowed to walk to school. Yeah, right. I just, wow. I'm not interested in that. Yes, yeah, so you're, you haven't got anyone in year five yet, have you? you year four, like my Yeah, eldest. year four. So I think from year five, my kids are allowed, inverted commas, to walk home independently on their own. But I'm not sure, do they need a phone to, to do that? Um, are there any weird rules? So I presume that if my kid doesn't arrive at school, someone's going to ring me. And that, that as a policy is good enough for me. I yep. don't want my child to have a mobile so that they say, hey, mum, I've arrived at school. Because that will not be the only purpose that they use that phone for. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, part of me wants to will my eldest now to start going to school independently right now and coming home on his own. I'm kind of there anyway because I'm getting Jacob, so. But I'm not sure if I would be allowed to what the policy is on, on, our, on our school, whether, you know, a parent that wants to let their eight-year-old get to and from school on their own would, is, is even allowed, or whether I'd get social services knocking on the door. Um, I think that... I think that within our school, if I asked the question, it would probably be permitted. Um, but there is a main road for our kids to cross. Yep. Um, and, and I would want to cross them over that. I have requested um, that the council looks into um, a lollipop lady or man because, um, because I think that that would make the school journey safer for all of the kids in our area. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were getting crossed yesterday by the uh, the lollipop man, as it was that day. Um, and yeah, he put up, he put up his lollipop to stop the traffic, and he could see this driver coming towards us, probably 50 meters away. Well, away, but you could tell he was speeding this driver. So this lollipop man was like insistent that this guy was going to stop. <laughs> Good. And he just about did, man. But the, the driver with this kid in the back was like remonstrating with him. Why'd you stop me? Why'd you stop me? As we, you know, toddle across the street and two kids. <laughs> and then I'd ch had a chat with him on the way back. Like, thanks for like saving our lives there from that murderous driver. And he's like, oh man, the stuff I have to put up with, unbelievable. <laughs> it is, it is, isn't it? Because, but I think um, I really do not want to bring this into COVID's town, but um, in the same way, you know, we're currently talking about um, three families are allowed to get into a bubble and there are hundreds of people okay. that are, you know, talking about how they're going to be bending the rules, but how it's okay for them because X, Y and Z and Auntie Enid can't be left on her own. And so we're going to have to have a group of four. Every single person that parks on the pavement, that parks in a disabled space, that keeps their car idling. Everyone <laughs> thinks that their reason is okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone excuses their own behavior. Um, so, so that guy will have a reason why he was, yeah. why he was doing he that. He looked pretty flustered, like um, he was running a bit late for something, but uh, yeah, so don't make that our problem, you know, Benek. It just, um, I find that really interesting because no one, yeah, no one's breaking the rules and going, yeah, no, I don't, I don't care about it. Everyone will say, well, yeah, there was no other way around it because we had to, da 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 And may maybe that's true, you know. Maybe he had to nearly mow that guy down. Who knows? <laughs> well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'll save my... I am going to do a proper War on Cars episode, full, like, fully blown, let it, all, let it all go. There is a podcast called The War on Cars, by the way, which is amazing. New York based show really cool. So 
Is but it's quite uh, the idea that we should have a war on cars or that we should ban cars is a foreign, you know, if I said that, knocked on a few doors around here in, in the suburbs, people would just kind of collapse and faint in just the sheer right, the concept of that the people are thinking about this stuff. <laughs> but but I, I do like to chuck the odd ban cars in to the odd Facebook comment just to kind of really get people like just to really well, show we, what's going on. We had that situation recently, <laughs> didn't we, with the um, with the Heswell Today post yeah. about people saying how much more parking was necessary <laughs> in in the village, and and in the same way as we're saying, everyone's got their own reason, and everyone feels like their their excuse or their purpose is more as important we navigate than the our other way persons. Between these wheelie bins and these parked cars on the pavement. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, yeah, no, no one feels like their reason is unjustified. Um, no. But I, we went, we went down to being a one-car family last year, and I'm so glad that we did because obviously we've we've never needed to have two cars less than we have this year, and our our family car has probably had less use than it has ever had yep. and um, obviously that's that's been sad in a way because it's meant that we've not been going to visit people and and all of that kind of stuff but it has also meant that we now know our community better you know like I've just taken you on a walk through the woods and round some little shortcuts and stuff which yeah we didn't bump into anyone this time like no we didn't Saw your mum last week, didn't we? And yeah. That and a runaway lady, horse. The, the runaway horse the week before. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I would never have have got to know all these shortcuts and all these nooks and crannies if if we'd have been rushing about and been in the car so much. No. Um, I mean, there is a good, also a good podcast. Well, it's a video. Comedians in cars getting coffee. Jerry Seinfeld. You ever seen that? No. Where he goes out with for a drive with a comedian and just talks about comedy. So yeah. <laughs> I am fighting the war on cars, but I do appreciate that they are uh, handy tools every now and again. And they're a big part culturally of how we get around, you know, and who we are. Our cars are like an extension of our families in some ways, you know. Yes. Um, um, it's really strange, but... There was a Lamborghini outside our school this morning. Oof. Yeah. Idling. Idling. <laughs> idling. Um, and I said, to, I said to my girls, um, oh, um, I, I used to have a car like that, but... When you guys came along, obviously you had to get rid of it because uh, couldn't get the bikes in and stuff. And uh, <laughs> they were like, did you really? And I was like, yep, but obviously it wasn't in orange. Beth was like, no, you'd definitely get a red one. So even at a really young age, you know, that, that car is a statement, isn't it? You know, oh, yeah. and... Um, yeah, and it does just have to be a Lamborghini, right? I mean, yeah, we've got a Volvo and... Uh, Oh yeah, a no, Volvo that makes a similar statement, Ed, yeah. It says something about you, doesn't it? It's a, it's a sporty one with the, the the alloys and all that stuff, but mm. it's a safe, secure family car, isn't it? It's, well, a, it's an estate, you can get all sorts of crap in the back, just but it will be our last car, I'm, I'm convinced, I hope. Wow, that yeah. is a bold statement. Well, just for full disclosure, um, when it was Adam's 21st birthday, I bought him like um, a, a Formula One driving experience. Whoa. Um, because... F1, an F1 driving experience. Can you drive an F1 car? It probably wasn't F1, you know, I don't know much about cars, but it was a fast car driving experience <laughs> yeah, okay. at, yeah. Bra at Brands Hatch, right? Cool. Because oh. I don't care what you say, driving a car really fast 
is exhilarating. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, I've got a go-kart sat in my mum and dad's garage. Like, it'll do 50 mile an hour. So uh, I do know cars really well and I hate them as well now, which just gives me quite an interesting yeah. perspective. Yeah, that's things. difficult, isn't it? I still watch Formula One. How weird is that? Do you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So, ah. um, in terms, we've strayed a little bit from our topic, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, I might have been responsible for that slightly. Which but, was, how can we develop and encourage safe levels of independence for our kids? And how can we expand their, um, their kind of sphere of influence, if you like, yeah. from home? Uh, yeah, it's going to require, I mean, the things you, you were talking about then are really cool practical ways that you can start once your kids reach a certain age, and it's up to you to decide what that is, start teaching them and letting people know that, you know, if they go into the shop, let the, the shop owners know that your kids are going to be doing this. Yeah. The, the, so they're not just like, eh, who are these couple of kids? They're kind of looking forward to seeing them in some way. Yeah. And then start telling your friends about it as well so that they know and they said, oh, I might try that with my kids and what have you. I guess that's how, that's, it's not going to come from some road safety organisation, is it, that kind of starts dishing out armbands and high-vis jackets? No. So we are actually, right, if you... If, if we're standing here now on, on the oh, kind yeah. of corner of a road, I would be happy for my girls to walk from our house all the way along this road to their best friend's house. However, there's no main roads for them to cross. Yeah. And um, I would be able to watch them for some distance and the mum or dad at the other end would also be able to we'll be ready. anticipate their arrival and watch them for some distance. So I think that that is a good kind of entry-level way, um, way to begin the process. Yeah. Um, they have also requested walkie-talkies, real ones, for Christmas. So that might be another tool that, that could play the part in, in this independence. <laughs> Wicked. Um... But yeah, I mean, that's a really good practical way you can, we can start things going. And I, I'm going to do that with my own kids as a little weird experiment. Um, there's a, I think I've got a quote here saved, yeah. This is from this Japanese blog, I think. Japanese kids, oh, Japanese prepare their children from independence. Next year, my son, three, at the age of three, will ride the bus to Yochien by himself. By five and six, Japanese children often take public transport or walk school without their parents so can you imagine your kid at three getting a bus somewhere um i tell you what i can i i can tell you at some stages at three i desperately wanted a break from the strong will of my youngest um but that's for me that is a bit of a double-edged sword because i and, and I know, I know that this is more about me than it is about them. But once, once you've kind of extended that and you have proved to them that they don't need you, then it's hard to reclaim that. Yeah. And there will be many, many, many years, I hope, that my children don't need me, but choose to spend time with me. That is yeah. my hope. And that's how I hope I'm raising them. But I think at the age of three, and four and five, that there are plenty of things that they can do independently at home and they can develop those skills at home. But I want them to, I, I want them to be 
secure and attached and safe and I want to be the person delivering that when they are so little. Cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I've never been to Japan. It fascinates me. So I, I, don't, I don't know how culturally, you know, that works. But, but I, I adore my children and I wouldn't want to be away from them for a practical reason like that at that age. Yeah, it's, mad. it's, just, it's a really hard thing to... Which brings me on to um, something that I don't expect any of us were expecting to cover today. Um, when I did my yoga training course, um, we, w- we learned about... Um, we learned about the fact that if you become a Buddhist monk, you know, like, you get selected and you, you leave your family home age seven. Um, and then the next time the next time you see your family is like when you're delivering teaching practice age like 25 um, and I'm I would find that really 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 hard and in in that culture it's considered an honor that your child's you know selected for that wow, yeah. but but for me I that, that's not for me mm. So yeah, neither of my children becoming Buddhist monks. <laughs> That's today's takeaway. All right, we'll wrap it up because we're just about to s- s- pass a sign which says it's got one of those red triangle ones with um, kids crossing the road saying patrol on it. So I'm not sure that sign on its own is enough to, to do all that much. That sign on its own tells me that some years ago, prior to us moving in, eight years ago, there was a school patrol. And now ah. there isn't a school patrol and every freaking day and people come down this road as if it's a motorway all right yeah um support your local council appeal for 20 mile an hour limits guys look into low traffic neighborhoods and school streets we need all that infrastructure stuff but we also need a real mind a mindset change for how we get around and how we like use our streets yeah and i think that on that note then we should say be the change that you want to see so if you want more independence for your children then softly softly you need to begin that process yourself safely consciously you need to begin that process yourself all right very good enjoy that nice one tanya see you next time edward see you on the other side dude bye